Welcome back to the Messy Reformation. My name's Jason Rice. I'm the lead pastor at Faith Community CRC in Beaver Dam, Wisconsin. My co-host is Willie Cronkey. He's a member at PCRC in Pease, Minnesota. We're just a couple of guys who love the Christian Reformed Church and want to see Reformation happen in our denomination. And we realize that whenever Reformation happens, things get messy. And we're starting to see things get messy now in the CRC. So we're taking the opportunity to have conversations with pastors throughout the Christian Reformed Church to find out what's going on in our denomination, but also to talk about what Reformation might look like. If you haven't already, take a moment, click subscribe so you don't miss any of our upcoming content. We are dropping episodes every single Monday. Also, if you appreciate what we're doing and want to help us keep putting out content, head on over to patreon.com backslash the messy reformation. We're hoping to get 20 sponsors at $5 a month. That money will help us keep putting out content. And as you know, Reformation doesn't just take a couple of months. It's going to take a couple of years or more. So your support will help us keep putting out content and keep fighting the good fight for the CRC. With all that said, we're going to get to this week's episode, which is part two of our conversation with Zach Flipsy. So here's another thing. I love that. Uh, We... In our liturgies in the Christian Reformed Church, again, speaking generally, but there's an incredible breadth of postures. So you, in a typical, you know, liturgy like ours, which in my, in my experience is common across CRC churches, you are invited by God to come and worship. You respond in, in joy and thanksgiving with a song or, or something like uh, you confess your sins you are assured of your forgiveness you read the law uh, either to be convicted of sin or to to inspire you inspire you to grateful fruitful living you hear an instruction from the word you you sing a hymn of consecration a hymn of commitment and so there's there's joy there's confession there's mercy there's thanksgiving uh, there's this this great breadth of of things that you're practicing so I love talking, talking about like basketball practice back in high school. We ran the Princeton offense, um, getting way too heady, but there were a lot of backdoor cuts. So we would practice like bits and pieces of our offense. Like we would take just the backdoor cut and pass, and then we would run it as a drill. And we would take just the pick and roll part of the offense and run just that part as a drill over and over. So that when we got in those situations in the game, we knew exactly how to execute it. And I like the breadth of things that we practice in our service from joy to confession and everywhere in between so that when we, ex- when we get in those situations in the world, we know how to express our gratitude to God. We know how to confess our sins, or at least we don't always get it right, but we've, we've got that training kind of in our toolkit because of what, what this CRC liturgy dating back 500 years has, has prepared in us. Amen. And well, that just reminded me literally like 10 minutes before we started this interview, I was listening to a book, um, um, Atomic Habits by James Clear. I don't know if you've ever heard of it, but I've heard of it. Sure. Um, but yeah, so he was talking, um, he, he was talking to this coach and I forget the name of the coach, but he was a world-class coach. I think he coached Olympic athletes, right? Mm -hmm. So he's coaching the best of the best. And he had asked that coach, okay, what about, what is it that these athletes do that make them the best of the best? 
And uh, the response that the coach gave him was they were able to um, embrace the boredom of training every day. Ooh, yeah. And it just, it struck me. He said they, they didn't feel the need to like um, try to innovate all the time. They didn't feel the need to try to do things different all the time. They just, they had a plan and they had something that worked and that would, they knew would develop their muscles, develop their skills. And they just did that every single day. Yeah. And I thought, boy, is that a reminder for us in the church that, that we, we always have this temptation to try to innovate and do something new because we're kind of bored with the old way of doing things. And there's something to these elite athletes, just we're mm. going to keep doing this because it's been developed. It's a tried and true method. Mm. And we're going to keep doing it every day and embrace it and actually enjoy, enjoy the routine of it. And that's really, I mean, the CRC liturgies, we would say it's not just 500 years old that we're pulling it straight out of scripture yeah, sure. yeah. in scripture, right? So yeah. thousands of years, we believe that this kind of liturgy has been happening or something like it. Um, it's proven to be forming Christians. And so all of the temptation to be new and innovative and all of that mm. is actually maybe, I think it's proving to be true that it's foolish and it's causing us to to have immature believers yeah. in our churches. One, one warning would be, beware of the, beware of the prosperity gospel liturgy which includes joy in the Lord and blessing, joy and blessing. That's the only postures you practice. And so when you, and you hear testimonies of, of people deconstructing all the time and they say, and when I saw the struggle of the kids in Zimbabwe, I thought this can't be true because all they ever, all they ever practiced in faith was joy and blessing, joy and blessing, joy and blessing. And so when they came to a situation of lament, they said, my, my religion gave me nothing for this. It, it, it can't answer my questions. It didn't prepare me. And so beware of, beware of this narrow, a narrow practice of the church. Yeah. Oh, it's causing tons of damage. And I'm, I'm seeing that because again, because they have not been formed and shaped to be able to, to see the world rightly or to, mm -hmm. to encounter the, the world in the proper way. Right. And so we, I, I probably will be accused someday of focusing too much on the other end of it. Sure. Um, Cause I had one pastor. Well, that's, tell that's me, legitimate. Yeah. One pastor told me like your job as a pastor is to prepare people to suffer um, and to be able to suffer well. And so I talk a lot about, here's our suffering um, that we're going to encounter. And here's how we, here's how we need to hold on to our God in the midst of suffering and, and whatnot. So I, I find myself talking about that all the time. And I probably should speak a little bit more on the joy of the Lord, but yeah. Um, but, but there's something to, yeah. If, if we don't talk about both, we can be ill-formed and then mm -hmm. we encounter yeah. things that we're not ready for. And it really, it yeah. really shakes the faith. Yeah, that's right. And even the even the most well intentioned intentioned athlete who has a narrow breadth of work. You know, I think of, you know, like the Olympic weightlifter who wants to squat a certain amount of weight. E even the most well intentioned guy who says, I'm gonna go in the gym and I'm gonna squat every day. That's all I'm ever gonna do. Every trainer will tell them, Well, at some point there's gonna be a muscle group somewhere 
wasn't getting the stimulation it needed and it's keeping you from achieving what you intend to achieve right so all you ever did was your squats but in the meantime your adductors you didn't do your band work your band work so your adductors got weak and so that was keeping you from increasing you hear athletes talk that way sometimes so even even the most well-intended christian church that's saying you know we we need to confess we need to confess we need to confess or we need to have joy we need to have joy we need to have joy you're not going to achieve the goal that you set out to achieve because you didn't address the full the full range of muscle groups or the full range of emotions or situations that we face in the world today. Yeah. Well, and again, if we keep, we can keep going, you and I are both athletes. And so we could probably kill people with all of our sports yeah, analogies, analogies, but, Fair enough. but that's okay. I, I was just thinking, you know, having this well-formed liturgy though is is our is that constraints among to kind of force us to work these different muscle groups mm-hmm. right we start off being welcomed we have confession we have assurance of pardon we hear the word of god we, we pray we praise and then uh, and then we're sent out into the world right i mean that's mm-hmm. a well-rounded idea of the christian life and if we're hitting all of those um it helps us kind of address all the right muscle groups and keeps us keeps us more well balanced i want to i want to move um, this has been really good, but I do want to move. One of the questions we ask everybody is as you're looking across the kind of the grand scope of the Christian Reformed Church right now, um, what are you seeing that concerns you about what's happening in our denomination right now? Well, I, I'm maybe not the best voice to speak on this. I'm, I've stayed in one town mostly my whole life, so a pretty narrow a narrow understanding of what happens in the CRC. Uh, but I, I also, I also don't want to cast aspersions on the bride of Christ. And I believe that there are, there are many, many people across Christian reform congregations around the world that are part of the invisible church who are children of God. Uh, so I want, I want to do that carefully. I would, I would be concerned about a movement away from orthodox christianity i don't want to draw lines or or point out specific errors i have my own right that need correcting before i before i get the speck of sawdust out of somebody else's but um, i'm concerned about a general move away from orthodoxy i see things like uh, we can't say, thus saith the Lord, we should say, it, it seems right to the Holy Spirit and to us, right? Who's the authority? It shifted away from the Lord and to, it seemed right to us. I want the authority to be God. It's Christ who has all authority in heaven and on earth. And he's defeating his enemies. Even now, the last enemy is death. Uh, I want to be on that team. <laughs> I don't want to decide for myself. Uh, I don't want to be my own authority. I guess I do. My, 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 sinful, my sinful flesh wants to be its own authority. Uh, but I know from the word of God that that is not healthy, that that is deceitful, uh, and that my flesh is desperately wicked and beyond cure. So uh, I, don't, I, I want to not want that. I want to have the authority of God that's uh, a stable authority. and. Um, my one concern would be the the movement of the CRC away from the authority of God 
and to the authority of man or, or, or even worse culture's authority. Yeah. And I think, I think we can, you know, um, I think a lot of us are seeing that, um, that concern. And, uh, and I think we can get, you know, on the one hand, I can get really wound up and angry and, and frustrated about those things. Um, I do have to remind myself regularly, not that it makes it okay. Um, I still think it's wrong and sinful to, to walk away from God's word and, and to embrace kind of our own authority or culture's authority. But it does help kind of moderate my frustration, I suppose, when I, when I do realize that they're, they're doing it, they're, they're doing it well-intentioned anyways, right? There's, there's a book written back in the, might've been the eighties um, called well-intentioned dragons. Um, and it's talking about those people in your church that are, that are well-intentioned, but they, they're probably, you know, driving you out of the church. But, but the, re- the w- reminder that they, they're, they're not intentionally trying to like destroy the denomination or destroy mm-hmm. the, destroy the church. They think they're doing right. That doesn't mean it's okay, but, but to, it at least kind of shifts our point of view when we start talking to them and engaging them that they think what they're doing is what's good and right and, and is going to further the gospel. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I've started when we talk about our various sins, sometimes our list is something like you can't do it by your own intellect. You can't do it by your own strength. You can't do it by your own works. Those are some of the things we list as a pastor that, that might take the place of uh, salvation by grace. I've started adding our own empathy to that list when I preach. Mm. You can't empathize enough uh, to be saved because I think human empathy, as well-intentioned as that is, I, I could use more empathy. Pastors ought to empathize. But I think we can, we can in, increase that, I don't know if you'd call it an emotion, that ability Again, replacing the authority of God with our own empathy. Yeah, wow, that's a good word. Where, where do you see that happening often? Where, where we're kind of this overemphasis on on empathy. Um. Well, we're doing the Belgian Confession in the evening services, and we just finished the section on on the church, Articles twenty eight through thirty two. I think it is. Um, it talks about church discipline in a number of those. And so in our teaching team meetings here and with the elders, we've been kind of self-evaluating. How is it that we've done the work of church discipline? When's, uh, and not, not that this is the only mark, but when's the last time someone was excommunicated here? Uh, there's the movement that, that kind of came with the emergent church or the seeker-sensitive movement where we have to just be nice to everybody and love everybody. Um, but in the meantime, the marks of the true church is the administration of the sacraments, the preaching of the gospel, and the administration of discipline. Discipline is healthy for us. So we have this tendency to over-empathize here at our church in our neglect of discipline. Well, they, we shouldn't excommunicate or, or we shouldn't apply discipline here. We just we need to give them grace. We need to give them love. Um, so we're, we're guilty of that in that way. Yeah, well, I think. A lot of churches are sure. Um, and that's, yeah, I mean that, 
that's that kind of swings through a lot of and I've said this before on the one hand it's probably an overreaction mm-hmm. to um what some have felt was some harsh disciplinary stuff that was going on back in the 60s and 70s or whatever sure. um but one of the things that really struck me though was um, I, I read a lot of books on Reformation. And so I was reading about what they were, you know, what Calvin was doing for Reformation in Geneva. And, you know, he fought hard to be able to, for church discipline to be part of the church, right? The, the, the city wanted to be in charge of it, but, but they saw church discipline being an essential aspect of Reformation and church health. And, uh, and they were trying to recover that. And so I've, I've found that interesting that, you know, here we are, we're recognizing we need to see some reformation happen in the church, and we have been neglecting church discipline for decades. Um, we are in a similar situation, I think, to the reformers. They were trying to recover church discipline as well, and they didn't do it perfectly or well either. And even, um, I don't remember where it was, in one of Calvin's letters, though, he's, he, I remember reading a line where he said, this is something that really should be disciplined but we're not going to discipline it right now. Mm. We've got other battles to fight, right? And so he realized like there's such a mess going on right now. We need to pick, you know, be strategic about what battles we're going to fight, where we're going to discipline, and eventually we'll get there. We'll clean up that mess later. But but right now, here's what we're going to address. Yeah. And I think that's where we're at as a church now too, trying to figure out, all right, let, we're, there's a mess. There's, we could be disciplining all over the place. How do we do it? because we haven't seen it done well before. And, uh, and then where, which battles do we pick right now that are kind of most essential to our church mm-hmm. health? Yeah. And discipline happens in a whole lot of ways, not just, I mean, I named excommunication as the alt, the ultimate example, but uh, yeah. How, how do you, something I've been asking is who's the first one that gets excommunicated after we haven't done it for 60 years. <laughs> right. Yeah. I, I yeah. mean, and that's just an inflammatory way of asking it, of course, but how, how do you get that back? Right. Why me when you didn't do it to the 30 people who came before me? Right. Yeah. So I've, I've, I've asked or, or been wondering aloud, do we need some new names for things? Right. Is it, has it become an, has it become a semiotic problem that the word excommunication means something more harsh than what it was intended to mean? I mean, do we need something like public lapsing? I don't know. I don't know what mm-hmm. you would call it, but it were it just you you would rename it so that it didn't it didn't come across the way that it's come to mean. Yeah, but I don't know. Smarter people than me can can come up with solutions for that. Yeah. Well, and I've talked to, I I always have to clarify because I, when I talk to people, when I talk about church discipline and I, and I know you understand this that way as well, but I'm not always talking about just formal discipline. I think a lot of people, when we talk about church discipline immediately, their brains go to formal discipline. Yep. Um, But I'm talking about um, talking, you know, somebody says something inappropriate at church and you talk to them later and you say, Hey, that's that's not appropriate. We don't talk mm-hmm. that way. Yep. Um, that's that's church discipline too. And so that's one of the things I've been trying to encourage people in is rather than waiting and having to do these huge excommunication, mm-hmm. you mm-hmm. know, barring people from the table. Do the little thing. Um, 
let's start with the little things yep. and yep. Uh, and say like we don't talk like that here we don't do that here mm-hmm. this is not honoring to christ and have those little conversations um because that's really the beginning of church discipline and uh and when we start doing that then we i think once we start doing that then we start building the trust and the relationship and all of that that comes when you have to actually do some some bigger disciplinary actions and so uh, we've did this um, in our youth ministry, we we did our own versions of of church discipline with uh, with teenagers. Occasionally, we had a pretty crazy rowdy group, and so we had we would have to um, suspend kids from youth group occasionally and say you can't mm-hmm. come back for a month or a couple weeks or something like that. We've had to we had to discipline some leaders for a while, but we were able to do all that fairly successfully. Where mm-hmm. It wasn't like, I mean, every once in a while, you're going to have it where you discipline somebody and they say, see ya, heck with you. I don't want to have anything to do with you. But that actually only happened maybe 15% of the time, I would Mm -hmm. say. 85% of the time, the people came back and said, wow, um, I didn't realize I was being such an idiot. Thank you for, (laughs) thank you for correcting me on this. And thank you for for having some discipline. And that's because we had been slowly now that was after seven eight years of just doing the little things little things building up to it and so i think i think and this is coming from me being an impatient person um but i think it's important for us to be patient and just start taking the little steps which really lead up to up to the bigger steps in the future yeah i think that's right and i'm i'm thankful for leadership in this church that has held on to some of those means of discipline so that they're not lost from us. I mean, things like uh, taking taking baptism seriously, but people who are involved in our congregation taking um, taking marriage seriously, and there are some some questions we ask of people before before right some premarital counseling we require before we'll do a wedding. Um, taking the offices of elder and deacon seriously, that's a form of discipline, right? People whose names are, are, are not submitted. Uh, we're, we, we had kind of more recently lost elder and deacon visits, which is maybe not always discipline, but it's one of those little things that, that helps mm-hmm. you catch kind of some, some issues before they manifest into larger things. But uh, we're trying to get that reinstated. That was lost maybe in the last six to 10 years, but we'd like to do that again. And so I'm, I'm really thankful for Pastor Les who came before Drew and I and, and Pastor Tom in, in the interim um, and, and just good leadership from, from the council that a lot of those things are still important to us. Yeah. Amen. Well, as we kind of come to the end or toward the end of our, our uh, conversation here, I always like to ask people, you know, what steps do you think we need to be taking as a denomination to begin to see reformation happen? Hmm. Hmm. Well, Jason, you and I serve on the classes renewal committee in in classes Wisconsin. Um, renewal and reformation sound an awful lot alike. So, so maybe I'll just apply some principles that that we've learned in the last few years doing this uh, classes renewal committee. I mean, some of the things we found is uh, um, how how to be a classes between classes meetings is a struggle right so we're we're happy to go meet twice a year but then what do we do for each other throughout the year uh we don't do our 
our our church visitor thing the way we're supposed to. We don't um, we don't share pulpits the way that we could or should be doing. Uh, we don't support our hurting churches until it's too late. Typically, uh, I think we could apply that on a larger scale in the Christian Reformed Church. Um, so, as an example, I mean, there's just this. Uh, there's a lack of connection. Um, as an example, I mean, growing up, I used to hear people from other states say, yeah, I go to this CRC church and be like, what? CRC, me too. And, and you just kind of felt like teammates over the years. And, and I don't know if it's it's as the years have gone by or if, as I've become more and more cynical. Maybe it's maybe it's a me problem. But now I hear that and people from another state say, yeah, I go to such and such CRC. And I go, yeah, may or may not be teammates, right? Mm-hmm. Maybe a lot of things we disagree on. Now, some of that uh, is just the natural way things are going to go. And I said earlier, I'm I'm happy with some of the open handedness of for the local church, right? I think that's good for local ministry. Uh, um, and so some of that you just have to have to allow and account for. Uh, but there are larger ways where I'm I'm I'm, I'm untrusting. Is that a word? Mistrust. Mm-hmm. I don't know, whatever. Uh, so I think we see some of that in, in our classes and, and we're working on improving that by, by prayer, by encouraging visits to happen, by um, reorganizing some of our communication practices so that we can help one another and be in contact with one another. I think, I think the CRC could, could use more of that. Um, and then to another extent, I think who cares sometimes uh, it says, the gates of hell will not overcome the church. It doesn't say the gates of hell will not overcome the Christian Reformed Church. So on the one hand, I'm, I guess I'm not terribly concerned with the Christian Reformed Church because what I ultimately know is the invisible church will go on until Christ returns and there, there will be no overcoming it. So whether we call it the Christian Reformed Church or whether we call it the Alliance of Reformed Churches or the Reformed Church, I mean, you call it whatever name you want. Uh, what I know is the gates of hell will not overcome Christ church. Yeah. Amen. And it's a, it's a good reminder for all of us. I mean, I, I've been involved in uh, kind of this fight for the reformation of the CRC. And yet I have said multiple times, you know, the world is not over if the CRC mm-hmm. um, collapses and, and crumbles. Um, because as, as you said, right. The, um, Christ will build his church and the gates of hell will not stand against it. And, and that means that uh, I've, I've always told people, I mean, that means the church will continue to go out and go forth conquering and to conquer, right? Like they'll be knocking down the gates of heaven or of hell. Um, And so like the church will continue to move forward in some ways. And yet, of course, there are these aspects of the CRC that we really appreciate um, that we would like for me, it won't be the end of the world. We'll, we'll find another place to serve. We'll be able to minister and, um, and, and the gospel will continue to go forth. Um, and yet there's such a beautiful testimony, I think, if we can continue to fight and hold orthodoxy in the CRC. Uh, um, I've said it, it's a beautiful picture to the world of a denomination that is willing to repent and turn direction from where we're heading right now. For us to say, we have dabbled in things we should not have dabbled in and we repent and we're turning back yeah i want to retract when i said who cares i don't think that's the right attitude i I think a better sentiment would be 
I'm not worried. I think that would be a better yeah. way to say it. So everyone who was mad at me the last 30 seconds, I retract it. <laughs> now I say, I'm not worried uh, because it, it, it's worth this we should be more Kyperian than I than I let on. It's worth fighting for orthodoxy in the Christian Reformed Church. Uh, but if by God's sovereign decree, that's not what we find. God is not any less sovereign. That's better. So edit Amen. that for me. So that's what I said the first time. <laughs> yeah, I, we'll just keep it in because we good. just watched you repent. So that uh, sure, you just yeah. set a good example for our hey, denomination. Hey, can I? Here's a here's a real uh, raw story. I uh, preached heresy from the pulpit a few months back and uh, realized it after the fact. Um, so I was I was preaching on Jesus raising Lazarus, and I had misunderstood some sources that I read, uh, and so I I said with a big stop sign or a yield sign maybe on the screens I said Jesus does not have two wills. Uh, which later I in, it didn't sit right with me. And I went back to the sources and realized I had misread it. And it was the heresy of monothelitism. So I had to write a letter to my elders and to the congregation. Uh, and then uh, wasn't official or anything, but it was like three months before I preached again. It wasn't like I was on, uh, it wasn't like I was being disciplined intentionally that way, but that's the way it worked. And so Pastors get things wrong, and we should say, "I got that wrong," and and you can, you can repent of that and get get it right to set it straight because it's worth setting it straight. Amen. Yeah, I've had to do that before as well. You're not alone in that. And, yeah, and it's uh, it's a good again. I've said this multiple times to my congregation as well. Setting a good example or being a good witness in the world is not pretending like you never mess up. Mm. Yeah, it's messing up like a Christian. Mm. And so as a pastor, I'm going to mess up, I'm going to be harsh when I shouldn't be harsh, and I'm going to be soft when I shouldn't be soft. And then sometimes I might say something wrong from the pulpit. Um, Sometimes Mm. just things come out. Yeah. And, uh, and what I what we need to do in those moments is act like a Christian and we publicly, you know, repent as publicly as you sin. And so if you, if you spoke something wrong from the pulpit, then you publicly from the pulpit say, I was wrong. I'm sorry. Here's the right thing. Mm-hmm. And then we move on. And, mm-hmm. and you set an example for your church that way. You set an example as a parent as well. You, you set an example for your kids that way. Like, you know, Zach, you're, I'm sure you're already learning this, but as your kids get older, you're going to have moments where you're going to blow up <laughs> and uh, just lose all self-control. And, uh, it's just going to happen. Um, but after in that moment, you need to stop. Uh, eventually you got to calm down and you got to go back and say, I'm sorry, mm-hmm. that was wrong. I should mm-hmm. not have handled it that way. Will you forgive me? And, uh, that has been, um, huge, um, for me. And, and that just lays an example. And again, it forms your children as you do that, but also as your church, it, it'll form your church as well. And you'll start to see that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, kind of know, spread like leaven through the congregation. Yeah. A lot of Romans seven is difficult, but I, I find a lot of comfort in Romans seven because to hear Paul say the things I want to stop doing, I don't stop. And the things I want to start doing, I can't start them. 
and just this recognition that even even the apostle paul who i who I'm, I, at times i idolize uh he was a fallen creature just like me a sinner and and none of us are perfect no perfect denomination no perfect church no perfect pastor no perfect christian uh we rely on the perfect work of jesus christ god in the flesh the one who was able to pay the ransom for my sin and yours, for the sins of the United States, for the sins of the world, for the sins of the CRC, and reclaim us, reconcile us to God, uh, because he could pay for our sins on the cross and defeat the grave in his divinity. And, and so it's, it's his work, it's his perfect work, his finished work, not ours. That's all we have for this week. Stay tuned next week for our conversation with Todd Caparis. Until then, don't forget this is Christ Church, and he bought it with his blood. And we've been warned that wolves will come in trying to destroy the flock. So keep a close watch on your life and on your doctrine. Preach the word in season and out of season. And keep fighting the good fight in this messy reformation.